And we started the year out with talking about uh, thinking in line with the Word of God. God's Word has been given to you and I to get our thinking straightened out. And so we look today at Isaiah chapter 55, and we notice verse 7 through 9. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Now look at verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are the best ways. God's ways are the higher ways. And He has an avenue for us to tap into His ways, and it is through the Word of the living God. If you want to learn to think like God, get in this Word. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, I want to encourage you at the beginning of the year to exchange your thoughts with His thoughts. If any area of your life in thinking is out of line with the Word of God, go to the Word and ask yourself, what does the Word say? Whatever situation I am facing, the Word of God has the answer. Now, in Psalm 92 and verse 13, it talks about that you and I can begin to flourish in our lives if we are planted So God wants us, number one, to be planted in the house of God or in a local church. Amen. And as we are planted in the local church and in the house of the Lord, we get then the word of the Lord. And as the word of the Lord gets planted in our lives, then we begin to develop a root. And as we get rooted in the Word of God, we are not going to be swayed and we are not going to be moved by every circumstance that we face in life. Those that are planted in the Word of God develop a root. And then they will eventually begin to bring forth fruit. It is the will of God for you to be fruitful in every area of your life. If you are not planted, get planted. If the word of God is not in your heart, glory to God, get busy. Get started. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you become my disciples. And then he says, my disciples indeed. And then he said, and you shall know the truth. And what will happen? And the truth will make you free. Now, we talked a little bit last week about developing the mind of Christ and developing a spiritual mindset. There's two mindsets in 
the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness operates under the law of sin and death. The kingdom of God operates under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, under the law of sin and death, there is a mindset that is molded according to the world's system. And that's why we talked about be not conformed to this world or don't let the world squeeze you into their mold, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is that right? Now, the world thinks according to the flesh. The world is very selfish. It thinks according to me, myself, and I. The world is going down the same path, if you will. Normally, it is the path of least resistance. It is the path of the world's system and the age of this world, whom Satan is the small g, God of this world. And so people begin to hear things from the world and they start thinking like the world. And then thinking like the world, they believe like the world. And then believing like the world, they speak like the world. And then speaking like the world, they act like the world. And the result is sin and death. Now we don't want that in our lives. See, to be carnally minded is death. But under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we're not carnally minded, we're spiritually minded. A spiritual person has a spiritual mindset, one that thinks in line with the word of God. And what that produces in my life and in your life is, in fact, life and peace. To be spiritually minded will bring life, And it will bring peace into our lives. Now this morning I want to begin by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians the 10th chapter. And I want us to look at verses 4 and we'll look at verse 5. Verse 4 and verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now let's read verse 4 and 5 together after I take a nice drink. You ready? Okay, read. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And let's stop right there. The greatest warfare that you and I experience is between our ears. Strongholds are not out there and around us. Strongholds are thoughts that come from the wicked one injected into the soul or into the mind of a man or woman. Verse 5, let's read. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The mind is the arena of faith. 
The mind is where the battle is. Never attempt to fight the enemy in the arena of sight. Or in the arena of feelings. Or in the arena of circumstance. Make him come to your turf. Make him come to your territory. We are a lot tougher on our turf than we are on his turf. We have more authority on our turf than we do over on his turf. His turf is circumstances, feelings, walking by sight. God's turf is fighting the good fight of faith and walking by the word of God and not by sight. It is the arena that you and I were born to live in. We were born to soar in the arena of faith. We were born to fight with the sword of the Spirit in the arena of faith. It is where God's Word has final authority over all of our feelings, over all of our circumstances, over everything that we face in life. He cannot whip you on your territory. Oh, hallelujah. That makes me happy right there. So battles, they are won or they are lost right here in the mind. The enemy brings his attacks to our minds. And this is where the word of God says that we are to cast down his images. Cast down his reasonings. Those things that exalt themselves against the word of God. Thoughts of lust. Thoughts of anger. Thoughts of fear. Thoughts of greed. Thoughts of bitterness. Evil thoughts. Come on now. They must be brought into captivity to the obedience of the Word of God. We must pull them down, cast them down. Otherwise, we will be down. You see, contradictory thoughts, if they are thought on long enough, will produce the wrong image. And that is why we must cast down Every wicked imagination. Every one of them. Those wicked imaginations of you failing, cast them down. You are not a failure. There are no failures in God. You and I are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Cast down those wicked imaginations. And bring them into captivity to the obedience of the word. Now I know that you know that the devil knows. And certainly our father knows. We know he is a big fat liar. He's a liar. There is absolutely no truth in him. 
Now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want you to take a look at verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, through his subtility or his craftiness, deception is Satan's craft. So your minds could be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this began in the Garden of Eden. This began, as we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 in the Amplified Version, this began after the Lord had placed Adam in the garden, and he looked at Adam and said, this boy needs help. And he says, I'm going to make a help meet for him. And so out of his side, glory to God, he made Eve. And when Adam woke up from being in a deep sleep, the first thing he said was, whoa, man. (laughs) And so he placed them in this beautiful garden. And he says, now look, You can have everything in the garden, but there is one thing I do not want you to partake of, eat, and that is the tree of what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So were they clear on this? Now, what Satan wants to do is fog things up. I mean, did they get clear instruction or did they get clear instruction? Don't eat it lest you die. And he wasn't talking about physical death. Ultimately, there would be physical death. But lest you die and you are separated from my presence through spiritual death. So, I mean, they're having a great time. They're in paradise, right? Anybody ever been in Hawaii? How about the Caribbean? The Bahamas? Half Moon Bay? Monterey, Cancun. I mean, let's just face it. We, and I consider myself a Californian because Brenda and I have been here for, I don't know, how many? Almost 30 years. We're in our 29th year of pastoring right here. But there are some beautiful places in California. You start complaining about how cold it is, I submit to you, Minnesota. It's cold. (laughs) It is really cold. Can I get a witness? But, you know, they're in the garden. They're having a great day. It's wonderful. I mean, it's awesome. They're partaking of the goodness of God, the presence of God comes down to talk with them in the cool of the day. And, I mean, they've got intimate, wonderful fellowship. They're walking in the light. But then the spirit of darkness comes along, the one that is the author of the law of sin and death, and he interjects into her and into their thinking doubt. And in Genesis 1, verse 3 in the Amplified, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord had made. And he, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, Exalt himself above the knowledge of God? 
Can it really be that God said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? So here are the seeds of Delph. Here is the perversion of the truth. And let's go back to the King James. And it says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. She's clear till now, right? But listen to her fogged up statement. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She's starting to waver. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Question, is that a lie? Where is that from? Straight from the pit of hell. Trying to put them out of their position in God into a lesser place. He is the author of decrease, not the author of increase. But you don't have to decrease in 2011. You can increase in 2011 if you'll keep your mind on the truth and reject the lies of the enemy. Now, here, here he comes. Now, God knows that in the day that you eat, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good. And evil. Now notice this. He talked them into forfeiting what was rightfully theirs. And you know, his method of operation has not changed. He is the same lying spirit as he was then. So we know that Adam and Eve forfeited what was theirs. Now listen to this statement. If he can deceive you by getting you to believe his lies, he can defeat you. I'm going to say that again. If he can deceive us by getting us to believe his lies, then he can defeat us. Now, the word deceive simply means this, to cause us or you to believe what is not true. That's what deception is. It is a misbelief to persuade us from the truth, thus bringing us into deception so that he can defeat us and bring us to a lesser place where we are not enjoying the fullness of Christ. Here's what you got to do. And this is going to help you today. Number one. When the lies come from the enemy, you've got to locate them. We must be able to identify the difference between a lie and the truth. And the only way we're going to know the difference is know the word. Amen? If we become fully persuaded and full of the knowledge of God's word, when the lies of the enemy come, we'll be able to locate it. So locate it, identify it, and then once the lie comes, don't repeat it. We could say it this way, don't take ownership of it. Don't take ownership of it by thinking about it or verbalizing it. It is simply a lie. So number three then is remove the lie... (laughs) with your spiritual weapons. Now, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. 
Verse 10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the deceits of the devil. How many of you know he's got some flaming missiles? And his flaming missiles contain lies. And that's why he says, you put on the whole armor of God. And as you do, you will be enabled by God to stand. To stand in the evil day. And then having done all to stand, the scripture says, stand therefore. And then it goes down and it lists standing with your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to do what? It's the shield of truth. And with the shield of truth, the lies can't penetrate. And you will be able to quench all the fiery darts. Everyone say all of them. Not 10% of them. All of them. And he's got plenty of them. But for every lie he's got, God's got 20 times the truth. I'm telling you, you ought to be able to do what verse 17 says. Taking the sheet and the helmet of salvation and whip your sword out. And give that boy a whooping. Give him a whooping. A whooping with what? A whooping with the word of God. A whooping with the rhema of God. Speaking the truth. Over every lie of the enemy. It is the rhema of God. And the rhema of God is lodged on the inside of you and me. So number one, identify the lie. Number two, don't repeat the lie. Don't take ownership of the lie. Don't verbalize the lie. Remove the lie with the weapons of your warfare. And then replace the lie with the truth. Replace it with the truth. And here's what the truth will do for you, sir. Here's what the truth will do for you, ma'am. It'll make you free. Those are not good days when you're depressed. Those are not good days when you're thinking about dying young. Come on, somebody. Those are not good days when the enemy brings his thoughts of loneliness and brings in his violin players and sings a song to you by the Bee Gees. Lonely days. Lonely nights. Where would I be without my woman? It is just a bunch of junk designed to bring you down when all the time you have been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I want us to look at some common lies. Some of you may be familiar with these. Common lie number one. You've sinned. And you are a failure. You might as well not go to church. Because you've tried that church stuff before. And you have failed and you have sinned. 
But what's the truth? The truth is this. I may have sinned, but I'm not a failure. Because nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. Oh, hallelujah. Which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I may have not made as much progress, hey, as I as I'm going to make. But I'm about to make a big step of faith. I'm about to go on with God 100%. Nothing separates me from the love of God. So you got to tell yourself the truth. What's the truth? What is the truth? <laughs> Woo, my, 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 my. What's the truth? Lie number two. You're single and you're so lonely. What is the truth? The truth is you are complete in him already. You don't need to have a husband or a wife that isn't going to bring you on the things of God. You don't need anyone to complete you, whether you're single or you're married. Your completion happened at Calvary, in hell, in Him being raised from the dead. I am. You are complete in Him. Well, I just need my soulmate. You'd be better off with some of them soulmates. Now, I know I'm preaching it good. What's the truth? What's the truth? The truth is, He's with me. The truth is, He'll never leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's on my side. Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God. I'm never alone. Tell yourself the truth. Satan comes with his lies. William Backus, in his book called Telling Yourself the Truth, calls them misbeliefs. Here's another one. You're a misfit. And, and sometimes it gets worse, you know. You're a misfit and you're ugly. I mean, you ugly. You're a misfit. You're ugly. And you're a loser. Everything he just said is about himself. (laughs) He don't fit in no more. He got booted out. He's a misfit. He ugly. (laughs) He is. You talk about a loser. He is a loser with a capital L. But what's the truth? What's the truth? See, don't buy that. Don't take that bait. What's the truth? The truth is, I'm accepted in the beloved. I ain't ugly. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I ain't no loser, devil. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Shall we continue? Here's a common one. 
tells people this all the time. Your days of bearing fruit are over with. Your position in God is gone. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You're too old. You've had your day in the sun. But what is the truth? What is the truth? The truth is God's got a plan for your life. At whatever age you're in. He has a purpose. He has a destiny. And it will be fulfilled. The truth is I will continuously bear fruit even in my old age. Now, I just turned 60 on November 5th, and I'm not thinking, even thinking about slowing down. I was at Pete's the other day getting me, you know, one of them cafe mochas with a double shot of espresso in it. And I saw some guy that goes to my spin class, you know, and, and I said, are you retired? And he said, yes, I am. And he's a school teacher, really nice guy. And he says, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And I felt like saying, and I'll never retire, but I will refire. Listen, you may be a machinist, you may be a doctor, you may may be a lawyer, you may be a candle maker, but you're going to have to serve somebody. (laughs) You're going to have to serve somebody. If you're serving your job, if that's number one. If you're serving anything but the Lord and it takes place over God, you're missing it. You may be retiring from your natural job, but you will never, ever retire from your spiritual assignment in God. Somebody get happy. It ain't over till it's over. Oh yeah, you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the remote. Let's serve the Lord. Raise your hands up and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm serving the Lord. Locate the lie. Don't own the lie. Take the rhema of the Spirit out and speak to the lie. Here's another one. You're going to die young, mister. Just like, then fill in the blanks. Just like. But what is the truth? The truth is this. I will not die. But I will live. And I will declare the works of the Lord. What is the truth? With long life. I will satisfy him. And I will show him my salvation. I'm going to be doing a minister's conference here in about a week. I'm going to preach a message called called going all the way. All the way to the finish line. And how to do it. I just turned 60, but I'm learning how to go all the way. How about you? Ooh, glory to God. Here's another lie. See, these are all misbeliefs. And if, if you take the bait and think on it and own it, it will be a part of your life. That's why the Bible says the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Cast down those imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. You do it. No one else is going to do it for you. Here's another one. You just can't make it without. And then fill in the blank. Could be a cigarette. 
Could be crack cocaine. It could be a person that has gone on to be... You just can't make it without them. Here's the truth. That Jesus Christ is my way maker. And it's not a question of whether or not I'm going to make it. In Him, I've already made it. And though things may look dark, I see that He is the way and He's leading my path. Here's the truth. Your tr- the truth is your future is bright. Because you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Some of you have had the, the grief of, of a loved one going on to be with the Lord. And, and I do believe that there is a, a grief that takes place, a healthy grief, not an unhealthy grief. A healthy grief is you don't sorrow as the world sorrows. But you're going to miss them, right? But you know that one day, since they were born again, and you're born again, one day, whoo, glory, the trumpet's going to sound. See, the enemy would say, you've lost them. No, you know exactly where they are. And the enemy would say, you'll never see them again. But the truth is, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, whoo, glory to God. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then you and I, we're going to be caught up. Hey, and we're going to have a family reunion in heaven. We are, oh, what a, what, whoa, glory, what a reunion it's going to be. I'm going to get to meet Brenda's mom. Woo, glory to God. I'm going to see Brenda's dad again. I'm going to see my dad again. You're going to see your mom again. Oh, you're going to see Jesus. Hey, what a day it will be. So remember that when the enemy says, you'll never see him again. Here's another common lie. Your children, you see how they're living? You smell their clothes? You found that in their drawer? What were you doing in their drawer? That's what they're wondering. But I've been in the drawer myself. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Sight, feelings. Oh, they'll give you feelings about your kids. You're going to make it to heaven, all right, but not them. They're going to hell. But I'll tell you what the truth is. The truth is this. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only shall I be saved, but my whole house. My house. My house is coming in. Tell you, listen, friends, if you will tell yourself the truth long enough, you'll just start laughing. You'll just get happy. Don't believe his lies. Get full of the truth. But Pastor Mark, you don't understand. There are so many things going on in my life right now. And my emotions are just all over the place. You ever been there? William Backus says in his book, Telling Yourself the Truth. Listen to this. This is worth you coming to church this morning. He said, Our emotions are not created by what happens to us. Rather, 
Our emotions are created by what we tell ourselves about what happens to us. What are you saying to yourself? What kind of conversations are you having in the privacy of your own room? What kind of words are you speaking? My brothers and sisters, every one of us have some stinking mountains looming in the way. But Jesus never said, talk about the problem. Jesus never said, magnify the problem. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Now, I want you to open Luke chapter uh, 17, if you would, in verse 6. And I want us, I want us to look at that for just a moment. We are not emotion ruled. We have emotions. Amen? But our emotions must be aligned, come on now, with the Word of God. Now look with me at Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. And I want you to read that. Are you ready? Let's read. And the Lord said... If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. What is it? And what is it in your life? Now I want you to look at Mark eleven twenty three, and we'll... We'll work with this just for a moment. Mark eleven twenty three. Let's notice this. This is very, very important. Mark eleven twenty three. Ready, read. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now keep that scripture there just for a moment. Now notice this in Mark eleven twenty three. Basically what this is saying, this works for whosoever. Now the question is, are you a whosoever? So say this real strong with me. This works for me. So we see then that this works for whosoever, but notice on whatsoever. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Whosoever shall proclaim. Whosoever shall say to the sycamine tree. And it will obey you. The mountain you are facing. The lies that the enemy is declaring. Must obey your faith. And I want to say it like this. Your mountain. It's not my mountain. I got my own mountains. Amen? Sometimes, some days it seems like mountain ranges. And I can help you stand, but ultimately, it's your mountain. I'm, I'm not sure you're getting this. Ultimately, it's your tree. Listen to this statement. Your mountain 
needs to hear your voice. Say it with me. My mountain mountain needs to hear hear my voice. voice. Now, there is something absolutely powerful about sound. Sound is is a very powerful thing. You know, when God looked out in Genesis 1, verse 1, He saw an earth that was dark, did He not? It was without form and it was void. And God wanted to change what He saw. God wanted a change of scenery. But in order for there to be a change of scenery, there first had to be a sound. And God said, light be. Or let there be light. That's the sound. And you see, and as you track it through the book of Genesis, verse after verse after verse, God said, God said, God said, that was the sound. But then you will also see that God saw. God saw. God saw. God said the sound and God saw the scenery. Woo-hoo, glory to God. God didn't rehearse what he first saw. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. Genesis 1 verse 1. We need to lift up our voice so that the circumstances and what we're facing and what we're feeling will hear the sound of the word of the Lord. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is how he does it. Verse 2. And the earth was without uh, form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, sure is dark there. I think I'll go back to bed. Matter of fact, it's so dark, I feel kind of down. I'm a little bit bummed out. It's so dark. No, God didn't do that. God said. Everyone say, God said. Let there be light. Literally, what he said is, light be. And what he was saying is, me be. (laughs) Because God is light. Oh, Jesus. Now, what this means is that there had to be a sound come forth before there was a change of scenery. Now, listen very carefully. That means that sound has power over sight. Sound has power over feelings. Let's make it a little bit more plain. Because I see some of you are getting lost in space. And I don't want anybody to be lost in space today. Because this is so important. See, many 
of us are waiting and wanting a change of scenery. Would you like a little change in 2011? We're desiring a change to take place. We're, we're wanting, we're, we're waiting for a change of scenery. But here's what God is saying to us this morning. That He's waiting for us to make a different sound. Because if we always say the same old things we've been saying according to the law of sin and death, we'll always have the same old things we've always had. But if we really want a change of scenery, we got to start changing what we say. There's got to be a different sound come out of your mouth in the morning. It can't be the sound of mumbling and grumbling and complaining. It must be the voice of faith rising up with praise, rising up with the joy of the Lord. What's coming out of your mouth? What sounds? Is the scenery of your life hearing? Speak to the mountain and it will obey you. Well, Pastor Mark, I just don't know. This mountain's so big. This doctor report is so bad. Come on, saints. Arise in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. And declare what God's word says. Now listen, you may not be understanding everything I'm talking about today. I don't even understand it all. But God never asked us to understand it. And to be able to reason it. So that we can put it under a microscope and understand it. No, through faith we get understanding. That the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not, whoo, glory to God. Were not made of those things which do appear. God says it's dark. Let's have a change of scenery. Let there be, whoo, glory. It's dark in this bedroom. I've been depressed. Arise and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Glory to God. I've got so much more today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we let's just lift up our hands. And let's thank him. We are not moved by the lies of the enemy. We are moved by the word of the living God. Whoo, glory. So the question is, is what are you telling yourself? What sounds are coming out of your mouth? In closing today, we should not allow anything in our lives to be influenced by anything or anyone but Him. How many of you know the Bible says, and we'll just look at this just for a moment. How many of you know the Bible says that we are to be sober-minded? Sober-minded. A mind that is sober is a mind that is not distracted. A sober mind is not a mind that is influenced by the distractions of this age. How many of you have ever drank alcohol to the point of being drunk? Don't raise your hand. Maybe a better question would be how many of you have not? And then we could put you in the goody two-shoes area. <laughs> we won't go to the drug area, but... But alcohol and drugs, here's what they do. 
They cause our thinking to be under the wrong influence. Chemically dependent is what they call it. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm chemically dependent. No, I was chemically dependent. (laughs) Never mind. All right, forget that. Hallelujah. So now, while a person is under the influence of alcohol and drugs, the thinking is distorted. Likewise, listen carefully, according to the system of this world and the norms of society, our thinking also can become very distorted. If it feels good, do it. You know? When we face problems in our lives, our thinking has got to be sound. The last scripture I want to look at is 2 Timothy 1.7. So here it is. As a man thinketh in his heart, what is he? The way we think will determine how we handle unexpected events in life. And do they come? Have hurtful situations happened to all of us? Yes. But so important, the way we think and the way we speak is critical to how we respond to those situations. I tell you what. I guess a great title for this morning's message would be Get Under the Influence of God's Word. And in 2 Timothy 1, 7, and I was going to look at it from the Amplified, so pull that up in a moment, but ready, read. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And what? What kind of mind you got? What are you going to say to the mountains? What are you going to say to it? What are you going to declare to the lies of the enemy? The truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set us free. Amen. In the Amplified, it says, a sound discipline. Glory to God. A sound discipline. My prayer for you in 2.11 is that you'll think the thoughts of God. And that you will not be deceived and brought into defeat. But you'll tell yourself the truth and the Word of God will do great things in your life. Amen. You receive it today? Let's raise our hands and thank Him and tell Him we love Him. Father, we love You this morning. We honor You and we praise You this morning. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God.